Blog Talk Radio. Well, good morning, everybody. This is Truth Light, and our show is The Light of Truth. And uh, today we're shining light on a new inspiration that has come from one of my former teachers. And so he'll be joining us in, in just a moment, I believe uh, any minute now. So, um, you know, it's funny how how spirit works. And I don't want to sound like one of those crazy religious people, but, you know, let's face it, working with spirit and the universal energy and all of that is my life. It's what I do. It's what I live. It's what I walk and talk and breathe. And so I guess I probably sound like one of them sometimes. (laughs) But uh, it's amazing how it works to me because um, right now is a very tumultuous time for a lot of people, as we've discussed. And so I'm feeling very spread very thin as as some of you realize I missed the show yesterday. <laughs> I just I just couldn't fit everything in. I was up and moving way early in the morning and and just uh it was amazing to me how many people were going through things that just needed to be dealt with right then and there and and those things had to take priority. So um <clears throat> I was not able to juggle all of the things that I typically am able to juggle yesterday. And so today I'm feeling a little overwhelmed and a little tired and it was kind of funny because you know, last night I go to bed and I I usually when I go to bed I do my nighttime meditation and and I say, you know, spirit would you please, you know, angels would you please let me know how it is I can be of service uh when we do the show tomorrow and I ask to just, you know, be given the right topic to reach the right people and be of service however however they would have me do. And uh, so last night I got a text very late at night from my friend and former teacher Robert Bowerly, who's joined us before on the show. And uh, and he said, you know, do you want a guest caller for your show tomorrow? I guess he was, so he really got the inspiration for today's show. And it sounds, we talked a little bit this morning, and it sounds like it'll be pretty nifty. So um, as soon as he joins us, we'll kind of hop on to that. And uh, so we'll be talking today about um <clears throat> about I'm sorry again too much going on all at once it's, it's incredible there really just is so much happening right now um <clears throat> so we'll be talking about kind of live and let live but how to live and let live in a happy healthy manner so that we're still caring about people we're still connecting with people but we're all able to sort of respect one another's path so that'll be sort of where we where we take things, and uh, you know, um, let me see. Oh, here we go. We have Robert with us. What perfect timing! Perfect timing. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and just without any further ado, I'm going to go ahead and pull Robert Bowerly over, and say thank you for <laughs> for backing me up, my spiritual brother. <laughs> hey. Hello, Robert. Hi. You know. I got to say the timing is impeccable because I was just so exhausted and and it's so much nicer, so more much more energizing if there's the back and forth with a like mind and and I think it's nifty that you got the inspiration for today's show when I was kind of maybe too tired or too overwhelmed too. So thank you very much for uh for reaching out and letting me know that you had that, you know, and and uh, so I'm just going to go ahead and and uh, let you tell us what your inspiration was about and what we'll be talking about today, and uh, and we'll go from there. Well, first yeah. let me say thanks for uh, giving me the opportunity to come on and, you know, share whatever inspiration came to me. <laughs> uh, last time I was on, I 
good topic that we talked about was living love as a way of life. This is, I think, an extension of that, another way of looking at it. And this would be live and let live as a higher standard to aspire to. And what I'm talking about there is very simple. Just in general, that feeling of being one with all, one with all things, well, let's talk about one with all people because that's where our major experience really is, is dealing with. That's what we're going to be talking about, uh, I'll be talking about today. And it's that feeling of non-judgmentalism, that feeling of that there is no greater or lesser person, but that everybody's different and the different is normal. And one thing I learned throughout my life just in general over and over again that is when I get to know people who are supposedly so much different than me, and we start talking, and we talk about family, we talk about all sorts of things, I find out very quickly that the area of our common ground always vastly outweighs and outmeasures the area of our differences. And after a while, I even get to the point where, you know, I start to enjoy the differences. Like I had some Jewish friends. I grew up in a, with a Christian background, but uh, a lot of Jewish friends at school, and my parents uh, seemed to be very judgmental. They're nice people. They're good people. Uh, and I'm very thankful now that I had them as parents. But when I was a child, I saw a lot of the negative side of things. And they had their negative uh, and positive ways, at least my father did, of talking about all the different groups of people who were different. And I <laughs> took that to mean that he was racist and he was anti-everything. You know, he so, well, you know, we were German and Swedish, and he says, look, I'm not going to accept anybody uh, just just thrown into my household. I'm not going to accept any one whole group. And at that time, the, um, the civil rights movement was coming into its own. And Dr. King was in the forefront of that primarily. And my father would keep on saying, I'm not going to have a whole, you know, and the word black didn't ex- exist at that time. The word in their consciousness at that time, our consciousness was Negro or colored. I'm not going to accept every colored person in my, my house. You know, just because somebody wants me to, I wouldn't accept all Germans, you know. There's good and bad in all groups. There's the Germans and there's the, the Krauts. There's the, the Swedes and there's the Bohunks, you know. And there's the, there's the Italians, there's the Wops, you know. And, he said, and there's the, the Colors and, there's, and then there's the N-word that we no longer say because it's politically incorrect. And, <laughs> right. you know, and he used that. And, uh, you know, it was very interesting. It's like I would hear Dr. King and, you know, it, something chimed in what he was saying. You know, he wasn't talking about greater than, lesser than. He just wanted to have it, you know, the same as everybody else. And have it be, you know, live and let live, more or less. And so I kept telling my your... father. I'm sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. I was well, kept, I'm... you know, disagreeing with my father. I said, no, what he's talking about is that he's talking about just he wants every person to be just accepted on their own merits. And my father said, no, nah, that's not what he's saying. no. Nah, and every night we'd be watching the news. And uh, my mother would be fixing dinner, and we'd bring it in, and we'd watch the news. And um, I guess I was 17. It was maybe half a year before Dr. King was killed. And I was watching TV, and Dr. King would get arrested every few months in Chicago. It was just like clockwork. He would come up, he'd lead some kind of demonstration or whatever, and get arrested because the mayor just hated the guy. But he used it. He turned lemons into lemonade. He would take and turn that around, and he would have a big free 
press conference as soon as he stepped out of jail two days later, you know. And this was happening regularly. And a lot of us at school thought, this guy is really brilliant, you know. He's making the best of this. So I'm sitting there watching this with my father, and out of Dr. King's mouth comes, you know, all we're looking for is just that every person be accepted on the merits of their, who they are. And I heard my father, he didn't say anything. He had these kind of grunts he would do. Mm, mm, mm. It was that, uh, like that aha moment, that deer in the headlights moment I, I see all the time in counseling when the clarity of something finally gets through to somebody and they go, oh. And right. so a few minutes later, you know, he looked over at me and he said, you know, I realize things are going to be different for you. There's going to be colored people in your school like there are, and you're going to have colored friends and, they're, you know, colored doctors and nurses, and I uh, see lawyers, too, and our government and in the military, and he just shook his head, and we looked back at the news. And then he looked over at me, and he pointed at me, and it really got my attention. He said something that stayed with me all the rest of my life. He said, and you know, this is exactly why I fought in World War II, so that no one in my family would ever be afraid of having or expressing their own opinion. And he didn't say anything. He had this look. He just smiled and he shook his head, squinted his eyes, and was that saying of, well done, well done. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we never argued about it after that. Nice. And it's like I saw his, his mind change. And it was partially because I was standing up for what I had heard and what I felt. And right. it wasn't that. Yeah, I wasn't trying to so change him. So how does that how does that apply today? Where, like, where we're kind of because the pressure is is sort of back. Like it, mm-hmm. you know, really to me, I I compare a lot, uh, uh, very often I should say, to um, like the kids that are coming through now and the young adults. Like it really has that same vibe. Now, granted, I was born in '65, so I don't really remember the '60s, but. For some reason, I had a real connection to them, and so I studied them a lot when I was growing up, and I really, like, I was a flower child in the 80s. It was ridiculous, and people just thought, you know, what that what is wrong with you? <laughs> like, that time is over, you know, but I was just so connected to it. And And so what's happening now, you know, if people look back in history, like in the 60s, everything was shifting and, like, in a momentous way, and it really was wasn't it kind of that consciousness of people trying to make other people aware of can't we just accept the different people and can't we just accept what's happening? I mean, and then that sort of resistance. And so your inspiration for today's show is pretty interesting because, like I talk a lot about, the kids who are coming through and the young adults being like that next wave of change. Like they really are just shaking things up in different ways. They're just taking different um you know, back then it was kind of the the cultures and the race and all of that, and now it's um, it's a lot of other it's a lot of other things. I mean, there's the gay thing, which you know is becoming just a very normal thing now. You know, where it wasn't before, and there's you know the psychic thing and the gifted thing and the not fitting in the box. I mean, who's going corporate America? Almost nobody. You know, <laughs> and so oh, like there really is a big shift. Well, but I mean, as far as the, the kids side. that are the kids that are coming oh, yeah. through aren't going. Oh, I want to be, you know, a, a project analyst or something. You know, I mean, there's not well, like in the eighties, still... you know. Well, I, I disagree in one way. I do audiovisual work for a living at this point, and I 
sometimes on the fly in the wall in the back of a room, you know, running an audio board or something like that. And a lot of these are corporate groups. And I see the corporate culture now is is over the last 10 years is changing more and more. And well, yeah, the corporate culture has had to change because the kids coming through are so different. They're not going to have well, any employees if they don't. Yeah. And uh, on one hand, they're talking about, oh, well, the, you know, the, the digital generation is very, you know, selfish and all that stuff, but they also want higher standards of how they're treated. Take a look at some of the uh, companies that came through, like uh, Apple and Microsoft, even though they're com- competitors. They have, you know, this feeling that the people who work there are almost like family. Mm-hmm. And there's more and more of a, you know, a, a thing like that. I have a cousin who had a business like that and back in the 70s, he started to have that attitude, and it changed his business, you know, tremendously, and made it, it was part of what helped it be very successful. But uh, let's talk about, like, you're talking about being part of the, the hippie generation. Well, I was very much a part of that, too, a little bit earlier than you. Well, yeah, I and wasn't really a part of it. I just kind of did it on my own because it was already over. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, you know, it was uh, an interesting thing. And what I, I was reflecting on that, and with Live and Let Live, a lot of um, what was coming out, in, like when the hippies was about people were being hip, okay? Well, what was hip? Hip means you're aware of wanting to have things better. Basically, uh, hip about, you know, being able to build a better life. And so they saw things the way they were just accepted as what they called establishment, weren't always going in a way that was going to help people do that anymore. And so they wanted to have things different. So trying right. all kinds of different things. And the whole thing of the drugs on the surface and all of that, 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 was, a, that was just a side but issue. Let's, let's it stick to it because I, I think you had a really good topic for today. So I'd love for us to just focus on, I mean, I know I mentioned that, but I only mentioned that because I feel like uh, that's getting the that. sort of change. Okay, I just, I just, was, we only have, you know, we only have like forty-five minutes, so I want to no, just make sure we stay on track. That's all. Well, live, live, live was really a, a major attitude that you know was part of that. That was part of what was helping to make things better, which was um, partially came out, you know, as those people, you know, mature and all. Um, like in uh, spirituality, we talk about being one with all things. And we're really talking about, you know, the people aspect of that right now. And for me, it starts, you know, on a very personal level first. If I'm insecure, as I was when I was much of my earlier years, then I, I back off and I don't do what's really being loyal to myself, uh, which is, you know, doing what I need to do for myself as a soul. Mm-hmm. But I was amazed by, you know, as soon as I started standing up for what I believed in, at least with my parents, who were very, you know, uh, controlling people in many ways, um, I was amazed how fast they backed off and they started to listen. And so I, I kind of brought that with me, that uh, it's important for us to have our own opinions and being able to express them. And that one of the, there is no greater, there is no lesser individual. We're all just different. Growing up in Chicago gave me that, partially because I was around all kinds of different people. That's one thing I like about the United States is we are a country, a fabric of, you know, so many different people all all united together. And we do, as as negative as, as things look sometimes, I've been to countries where people are fighting with each other 
or hate each other for differences slightly in their language or differences slightly in just their ethnicity. And then I come back here, and that's like, so who, who cares, you know? <laughs> we have right. still a lot of you know, way to go, but <clears throat> it's amazing that, you know, that's one thing the United States does have and has offered is that ability of, you know, let people come together and do the best they can do together. And it's not perfect, never has been, is not now, is never will be, because we're always a, a country like we are, all souls, we're always in a constant process of learning and growing and changing. So what do you think are the biggest challenges in that, in the live and let live? And what do you, you know, what are you experiencing or what are you seeing on a spiritual level? Um, mm. You know, what's, what brought this inspiration, not what brought this inspiration about, but what are the inspirations you had when this topic was coming up? Because when we were talking, there were mm-hmm. some really neat things coming up. And so I'd love for us to share those with people, um, insights on, you know, just the insights that you were getting. They were actually pretty pretty phenomenal. Well, not actually. I don't, I'm not surprised. But <laughs> your insights were pretty phenomenal on this one. So. Well, one was we were talking about uh, judgmentalism is a big, huge stumbling block, and it's expressed in many, many, many different ways. And one thing I found, and I know you probably found it too, is that when I started getting into really opening up my spiritual awareness, it became very evident to me that judgmentalism was a great, huge, kind of like block to the doorway of getting into that. Um, In other words, the more I wanted to open up my spiritual awareness, the more I had to let go of being judgmental, especially of myself. Uh, where I feel that, you know, I have, you know, things I need to change, as as well as the people close around me. It keeps uh, a lot of people distracted and is also a place where a lot of people can be manipulated in large numbers. We can see that throughout history and, you know, in our own country here and today. So judgmentalism is a huge, huge, you know, wide open uh, subject and uh, something that really needs to be something to take a look at. So uh, we have to look at not... I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. It's like saying, you know, judgmentalism in a way of saying that somebody who's different from me is is lesser than me. Also, judgmentalism can be, oh, well, you know, those people are are different from me. They have so many more skills. They're richer or they're they're smarter. You know, they're so much better than me. I'm just, you know, I'll never be able to do anything. And so it can go against us, and we can use it against ourselves as well. Right. And, and I think that's a big one, that's a, really, from what I see. Yeah. We carry mm-hmm. a lot of the concepts of our parents or the culture around us, and we judge ourselves by that when really that's not our reality. That's their reality. Absolutely. Uh, it's like... <laughs> One thing that somebody pointed out to me years ago is that everybody has, we all have free will and we all have a free will to express our opinions and that somebody else's opinion of me is really not even my business because that's going on in their head. The fact that it comes out their mouth and they share it with me, well, that's something else I can accept it or reject it. But the point is it's not even my business. That's their business. That's something that they're going, you know, they're dealing with inside their own head. And maybe I can say something about it or I can just shrug my shoulders and move on. Um, 
and it's taking on those negative opinions of other people where uh, we take them on, we take them personally, and it's easy to take them personally. I took those personally from uh, primarily my mother. Uh, she was an alcoholic, and she was uh, both my parents were alcoholics. My father was a functional alcoholic, and so at least we still had a home. But my mother was more or less, you know, she was less functional, and she had a huge temper. And I was able to finally get a, you know, pull away from that years later. But for many years, that kept me very insecure. And I realized years later that, you know, her opinions at that time were influenced by the fact that she was. She was drunk at the time, and that when she wasn't drunk, she didn't really act that way. You know, other things came through when she was, you know, when she was drinking. So I was able to move away from that and start to look more and discover, well, who am I really? Well, what do I really have as well as far as, you know, the positive part of me that I can express and have fun and you know, pursuing and expanding all the rest of my life. And then I moved away from that judgmentalism of myself. And it took a while, but it, it's been a—it's it, a constant journey. So, what would you say is um, is going on? Because you do see like a lot of people interacting with the the job that you have right now, and just really, like you said, you get to kind of be a fly on the wall in a lot of cases. And so, mm-hmm. you also, in addition to seeing the the stuff that they're presenting, you also see big groups of people interacting. So what what's getting you know what is the um, what's happening with the live and let live in a higher standard and do you see people kind of coming up to that or is it still sort of a struggle or and you know you guys if you want to call in and and chime in at all that's fine as well um, we're always happy to uh, engage in conversation so but what you know what are you seeing like in your own life, in the things that you witness, um, what is happening in a positive manner, what's happening in a, you know, we could still work on this manner, like, you know, in day-to-day interaction, you know? Yeah, there's a lot of room for working on this, I mean, on a personal level, um, because there are people who are, Let's just say in society there are a lot of people who are get a lot of mileage off of manipulating other people through their ignorance. And what they play upon are our emotions and this whole thing of judgmentalism or a feeling of greater than, lesser than um, is a big area of manipulation. And if we can be more aware of it, then we are less manipulated by it. We can hear the manipulation coming and start to back away from it. Um, there are all kinds of things like that in different societies uh, around uh, different aspects of religion right now uh, is part of it over in Egypt there's one part of it that way Um, over in Egypt they're also talking about that they want more uh, a lot of people are standing up and saying that they want to go back to the way things were uh, under the caliphate with the, uh, the brotherhood the Muslim brotherhood is, is wanting to somewhat go back to that to some degree. And there are a lot of other people who moved on and were more current and say, no, we want to have more of a live-and-let-live attitude of democracy in the sense of letting people you know, be different here and have more of a say in their, their, uh, their daily life and things of that nature and less, less intrusion. 
So there's, there's a, that's a flashpoint, you know, over there. I see in business, um, there are a lot of businesses um, that seem to be able to bring more of a an attitude of, you know, even though you go up to a higher level, you're not working, everybody's not working under you, they're working with you, but in a different part of the, the job. But there's still a lot of businesses that operate on an older uh, standard, uh, maybe a lower standard of, you know, I'm the boss, I'm going to say this is what's going on, I'm not going to listen to any of you. But the people who are really smart in leadership always listen to the people who are down in the ranks. Uh, one example is like Coca-Cola. Uh, they were starting to crash and burn. They were having real problems back about, I guess, about seven or eight years ago. And they hadn't seen it in their profits yet, but their company, they were losing all their best people, and the thing was starting to fall apart, and they knew it. So they went to a, a vice president who had been retired for five or six years and said, look, you're really good at the corporate culture thing. Can you come back in and help us? And he came in for about two weeks and just walked around and talked to people, you know, on the factory floor and, you know, and all over. And he came up with the the understanding that what we've done is we've cut off all communication and listening to the people who are there. And once they started to initiate that again, the whole, they started to attract back people who had, had scared off. And also, you know, things were starting to go better and people were happier at work because they were starting to listen to the needs of the people who were actually doing the work. And um, that's more live and let live, too. It's like really listening to people, like as a parent. You know, do I listen to what my, and sense what my child's needs are, or do I just push my ideas upon them? You know, and I mean, I, I was uh, raised to be an architect, and then I went to architectural school, and I loved design, but I couldn't stand, I couldn't do the, the mathematics, so I flunked out at the University of Oklahoma. And my father finally said, well, I thought you might be a happy architect like me. That's why I pushed you towards that, but you don't have to be an architect. And it's like he gave me the room to decide where I wanted to go. Well, and, and that's, that's one really good example, too, because part of the whole successful live and let live, it's not it's not about, I think when people hear that, they they kind of immediately tune into the, oh, just don't care, that live and let live is kind of, it almost conjures up this, well, screw you, just live and let live. I'm just going to do my thing and, and whatever mm. you do, whatever, you know. And I think that particular example is a really good one of, you know, live and let live is showing respect. It's not, yes. it's understanding that somebody else's happy is probably different from yours and respecting them enough to want them to be happy even when it is different than yours and not having to understand. I mean, I think that's kind of a key to it is we don't necessarily have to understand their point of view to live and let live. We can just mm -hmm. do our thing and respect them enough to let them do their thing. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, so that's that's kind of an important important aspect of it is exactly what your dad did with that situation. You know, I mean, he that's just like wanted giving, you to be happy. Yeah, in the end, that's he realized that's what he wanted, apparently. And that's what I've seen as a parent, and I know you have, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you definitely don't always of... understand. <laughs> <laughs> Takes a while, you know. Why are these kids like this? It's like, well, because they're going in a different direction, and... 
I learned that, you know, rebellion has to do with somebody really looking to stretch their wings and find out what they really want for themselves. I saw that with my daughter, and she got to be a real hellraiser for a little while. And she was living with me. She couldn't live with her mother anymore. We were separated and divorced, so to speak. And uh, she started to, you know, go out with friends who were, you know, bad influence. And, you know, and she wound up getting, you know, in trouble to the point where she might have, you know, gone to, gone to jail almost. And uh, I sat her down. I said, look, here's the way it is. The next time you do this, I'm going to let you go to Judy Hall. And when you come out, if you do it again, I'm going to let you go back. I'm going to move all your stuff while you're in Julie Hall back to your mother's, which really scared the hell out of her because she couldn't get along with her mother at that time. She's fine now, but she's 40 now. Yeah. And eventually she found a, a type of work. She had dropped out of high school, and she found a type of work which was, which was Disney here in Orlando, which was a big, huge industry. And she started enjoying that. And uh, she started to change completely. She was working with more mature people, and and that became a whole lifestyle for her. And so she went through and got her uh, GED. Disney helped pay for her 10 years of college and uh, all that, her MA, and now she's remarried, and she's very, very happy. She found her direction. It was, you know, I, I couldn't get in the way of that. I just I realized, wow, here's something she's chiming into. Go for it, sweetheart, you know. Right. Well, and even the even the respecting, you know, I found that with with my kids, and I've seen it with their friends, and <clears throat> it's a really hard thing to do as a parent. If there are parents out there, you know, one thing that I found was, you know, if they're if they're continuously doing things, despite what you try to teach them, despite what anybody tries to do. You can only try to interfere for so long, and then the bottom line is if if they're continuing to do things that are getting them thrown in juvie or getting them in trouble in school, and they're choosing that, and that that's a part of that live and let live, you know, is, you know, you've got to find, as a parent, it's really hard to find that line or a teacher or whoever that, that deals with kids or other people. You have to find that line of, Okay, where do, where does the live and let live start? Because they have to be respected enough to go through their process because they're going to go through it no matter how hard you try to stop them from going through it. You know, mm. if they're determined to butt heads with the law, they're determined to butt heads with the teachers or the school system or whatever, you're probably not going to be able to stop it. I mean, I, you know, you can try, but then if they're really just not getting it, you kind of do have to do exactly what you just go, okay, you know what, the next time we're just going to go with that flow, fine. You know, you're showing me repeatedly that this is what you want, so I'm not going to step, I'm not going to stand in your way. You want to go to jail, go to jail. You want to do this, this, but, you know, I'm going to live my life and I'm going to let you live your life and and I don't desire to have those experiences. (laughs) So, you know, I mean, that's essentially what you did with her. And it's essentially also one thing that the guy was a mentor to you and me, uh, by the name of Dr. Francisco Cole, years ago. He's passed on since. But um, he talked about, you know, letting people bump their heads, especially your children, so that they understand the pain of, you know, going in that direction. And then they go, they pull back and they, you know, regroup and they go in a different direction. 
and hopefully it's not, you know, something horrible that they're going to get horribly hurt, but, you know, at least if she had gone that direction, she would have experienced it, and it probably would have been a, a jarring awake. And uh, luckily she didn't have to go that far. Yeah. Right. <laughs> she she awakened right. in other ways, you know. And it is it's a respect of people's free will. As a, as a counselor, I'm sure you've met this many times, where I can help people to, you know, awaken to uh, clarify their situation, but I don't have their solutions. I can suggest things, but then all of a sudden the light goes on, they try something that come up with a solution that has nothing to do with anything that even occurred to me, you know. Right. And yeah. make tremendous changes in their lives, you know? We have that within. It's a matter of being able to awaken to it. And helping people And really it's live, just it's just knowing uh, it's almost just knowing how to yeah, how to let themselves talk the you know, just find the path to talk themselves down the hallway to turn on the light. <laughs> it's you know, in a lot of cases that's all that's all we're doing and it is absolutely what you know what you were inspired for a topic. It, it's absolutely live and let live because we're not saying, well, what I think you ought to do. You know, as a counselor, mm. we're not we're not saying what we think would be the right thing. We're allowing them to walk down whatever hallway it is they need, just in talking about it or expressing and communicating, and uh, and find their way. And so. It's kind of, you know, I find that that's really the skill is learning how to guide without interrupting. There you go. You know? So it's... uh, Giving respect and, yeah. And also receiving from ourselves. And that's really, um, you know, one of the things that I find when I do life coaching with people is, is exactly what you were talking about with the topic today is the live and let live. You know, they'll have people in their lives and... And they're just, they get so caught up in, well, but what if he does this? And if he does that, it's going to go this way. And I just feel like I need to help him and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and so they spend so much of their time focusing on what the other people in their lives are doing and thinking that they need to step in and have the answers or stop them from making mistakes or whatever, that they are completely disfocused on their own life. They don't even, you know, 85% of their energy goes to other people and maybe 15%, the remaining 15% goes to their own life. <clears throat> and if we can just shift those, just, you know, all I focus on is shifting just those numbers. Let's make 85% yours and the other 15%, <laughs> you know, go to the other people. Mm-hmm. You're still caring about them, but, you know, what we need to understand is that what we walk and and talk and, you know, what we really do is shaping and shifting the experience other people have that are around us. And so that's really the best way to teach. And, you know, rather than deciding what's best for everybody else, you know. So. Yeah, it's like uh, truly living instead of just getting by. And right. Just getting by is trying to take care of other people. And one way of truly living and living let live is helping them to find the way that they can move forward you know, around the obstacles that they're, they're stuck on. And they're going to find out the real solution for getting around it, but sometimes just, you know, helping them turn on that light bulb, wow. <laughs> so when you hear the term live and let live as a person, like if you just think about your own your own experience, when you hear that term, what does it bring up for you? 
What do you think or feel when you hear it immediately? Well, to me, it's uh, it's become a, a habit of a higher standard uh, that I I hear people or I meet people who are different all the time, and I want to listen. And here, you know, beyond the differences, what our similarities are, because then I can connect with them, you know, in, com- in communication. And it may be language, religion, one thing or another. I made friends with uh, some people who are uh, devout Muslims <clears throat> after 2001. And I wanted to hear what they had to say. I, I wanted to understand more than just be understood because I understood myself, but I didn't understand where they were coming from. So I always am wanting to you know, understand where other people are coming from and be able to respond to that if I can. So... I guess that that's part of it. That's it, it's a live and live live. I'm a staunch believer in that now. It's just you know it's just something that I know works. So I, as part of what I live every day, it just kind of is there now. And so that's really um, it's a way that we can show respect for the other people that we coexist with. You know because we do live in a huge world. I mean, I know everybody says it's it's getting smaller all the time because of technology and all of that and and you know, it's it's not really getting smaller. <laughs> it's just, just as big as it ever was. It's just easier yeah. to communicate now. And I think, you know, earlier when you were talking, um and you were talking about standing up to your parents and and that kind of shifting things a little bit, one of the things that came to me was, you know, um often we we communicate and we stand up to people and you know we let them know our opinions and that kind of thing but it doesn't necessarily mean that we're communicating with respect and so mm-hmm. what i you know what i know about you is that you communicate with respect and so that's one key thing to this live and let live thing is it's not about not saying anything it's not about keeping your mouth shut about everything it's learning to communicate in a respectful it's all about respect you know it's learning to communicate in a respectful manner like when you are needing to be heard um finding a way to communicate with the people uh that you need to hear you in a way that that is respectful and isn't stomping upon them just because they're you feel that they're stomping upon you well, you know one and so it's in here. It's like you know, the there is no greater, no lesser, and that's that attitude, like you're talking about. Of well, my ideas are greater than yours. I'm the greater person, so I'm going to tell you how to to believe, how to live. <laughs> right. You know, that's the nice right. way. Then there's the 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 not so nice way of you know, like, look, you idiot, and I know how to live, and you don't, and I'm just going to tell you how to live. I'm going to force it on you. And right. then there's the people who say, well, wait a minute, you know. I know how to live my life. I know you know how to live your life. How about we find a way that we can live, you know, in concert with each other? Like right. I had one Muslim friend, uh, he came here to be a dentist, and he told his friends back in the country he came from, well, you know, in the part of, part of New York where he lived, well, I go to my mosque, and then I go past the Jewish, uh, two, uh, two blocks down past the Jewish uh, synagogue. And I said, whoa, 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 you, will you go past the Jewish synagogue? Oh, yeah, and then three blocks the other way, there's a Catholic basilica. Wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, is, is there much violence in there? The, no, no, we shop in each other's shops. We 
say hello to each other on the street, you know. Sometimes we even visit each other's houses of worship. That's very American. Right. And right. they were amazed. That was also a religious background I was given. We, we, went our, we went around and saw all the other different religions and sat and listened to their their services. So I'm very, you know. Yeah, you know, that's actually that. kind of a cool thing to do just for anybody out there listening. It's kind of neat. Just go not that you're looking for a new religion, but just go experience some different, mm-hmm. you know, go to some different churches, go to some different things, and, and you know, don't... Synagogues or whatever, yeah. You know, don't necessarily get all involved in in the, uh, you know, because there is also, I think, now more so than back then, probably, because I know we used to do that when I was a kid, too. Now it's kind of like, you know, I wonder, do they get a toaster oven for everybody they convert, or, you know, what is exactly... <laughs> I don't know. It's a little weird. It's like a sales pitch now. So, you know, it's, but it's kind of neat to just go see the different kinds of experiences and things that people are listening to and being taught because it helps you understand, you know, when we only see what we see and we never expand our view, it makes it difficult to live and let live because we only can see from our point of view and our perspective. And, you know, I've got somebody in my life, in my day-to-day life, who is very narrow in their experiences and very narrow in their in what they will accept as reality. And so they're having a real challenge with this live and let live, but because they're in my environment, they're kind of forced to do it. <laughs> so it's interesting to watch, you know, because they they almost don't have a choice to be accepting. They have to, you know, and... And they, they're one that would really rarely ever expand and listen to somebody else's, you know, it's almost like it's forbidden sometimes in people's lives to go listen to, you know, if you're one religion, go listen to a Catholic, or if you're Catholic, go listen to, you know, uh, whoever. I mean, there's so many different things to pick from, you know. But just going and seeing the people with their families and the things mm-hmm. they're being taught yeah. and the feeling and the space and all of that, is really kind of neat because you see, okay, we're really not that different. We're just using different words. And different practices and all that. It's like instead of, you know, converting, it's like communication is about converging, not converting. Communication really is about one thing goes out and something else comes back in. So part of communicating is not just talking. It's also shutting up and listening. (laughs) It's like in the spiritual sense, we have meditation where we listen. And then we have what they call prayer and all that, where you're putting out your your needs and whatever and your affirmations and then meditation where you just quiet down, you just listen for, you know, for, you know what's, what's coming back in. And it's like there's that in and out, that outflow, inflow and outflow, you know, of communication. And that's just so simple. Uh, you know, I think that most people don't know that there is a difference between prayer and meditation. Because a lot of times ah, I speak to people and they go, well, I sit in prayer all the time. And I'm thinking, and? <laughs> well, so you're just yakking all the time and you never, you know, I don't know if they know that there's a difference. I don't know that they realize. So it's really neat that you made that point, too, that, you know, there is that difference. And it is that natural inflow and outflow, you know. So um, that's an important thing to get. <clears throat> So mutual you, respect of each other's differences, yeah. So when you have um, situations come up where you're, 
where your energy is sort of impacted by somebody else's life and choices or has the potential to be impacted. You know, because we're talking about really people outside ourselves, outside our lives. What about... <laughs> you got a lot going on back there, huh? I didn't turn it off. Sorry about that. Go ahead. So when you have like a more personal impact, I know you have some stuff going on in your life where, you know, it's we can talk all day long about live and let live, but what about when we have somebody who comes in who is a part of our family or a part of our life that that is really intertwined with our energy and our life and we feel the need to move forward or they're they're you know going through whatever they're going through and reaching out to us and how do we live and let live in that aspect or do we you know do we get caught up do we get intertwined do we hold ourselves back because so and so needs us to or you know because I actually have several people that are kind of going through things like this that I'm working with and uh, and it's very interesting because where does live and let live Kind of, how does that begin and end when it comes to people who are very close within your energy? What is your There's opinion one on kind that? of one uh, thing that uh, somebody talked about a lot, and you probably recognize it. This uh, idea of fifty-fifty. You know, uh, you do your part, and you let the other person do their part. Uh, I have a family member like you're talking about who's been in and out of. Uh, Oh, mental institutions and homelessness is suffering with that, you know, going through that, experiencing that right now. And I jumped in at one point and just completely, you know, just almost destroyed myself financially. You did and not practice all, live and let live. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I jumped in I way more than my part, you know. And the more I did, the more she let me do. And so now I've backed off and... uh I'm talking to her more about, well, this place that, you know, where you can stay off the street, you know, full time. Uh, Why don't you look at that? You have a better life that way. And then what little I can do would go a long way. And it took about, you know, three or four months because she was so comfy with how bad things were. And she finally got into this new place. And she's been better off since. Now she's about ready to bump her way out of that possibly but so what does this do for you? What is your so much how how that? do you do that process? How do you you know, despite whatever her situation is, right, the details of it, on mm-hmm. your end, how do you process that? How do you you know, not looking at her necessarily, but looking at you? When you've got somebody who's really pulling on you and, and they have created situations for themselves that in your opinion you know, not just you, but our opinion, the person who's trying to live and let live, when they've gotten themselves in such a situation that you're like, oh, my God, you know, I've got to, our emotions kick in. I've got to do something. But they created the situation, and so do we not need to respect them to the point of saying, okay, I get it. You you know, it wasn't a one-time glitch. It was a pattern, and so clearly you're choosing to do this, and this is the life you're choosing, and so... Even though it's not what I would choose, do I not need to disrespect their ability to do whatever the hell they want? I mean, you know, it's grown people that we're talking about, you know. It's it's not always easy, as you know. Um, There are a lot of people who 
get the feeling that they, they should be taken care of. So something owes them a living. They should be taken care of. And this person has pretty much gotten that way, and then it's other people's responsibility to step in. And really, I've gotten to a point where I, I finally I have some sense of peace within myself by saying, look, here's as far as I can go financially, and I really, you know, dare to. And beyond that, you know, what can you do to help make your situation better so you can stay in a better situation? If you want to go back out on the street, I, I can't stop you. There's nothing I can do about that. And only you can stop that. And uh, if you want that, that's fine. It's like when I was working with my mother, who was an alcoholic. And uh, I'd come down in the morning. This is after years of having been away around Christmas. And... Uh, Basically, she said, uh, I said, you know, is this what you like? And she was guzzling down, you know, another beer. And she said, oh, no, this is hell. And uh, so I uh, I said, well, if you want hell to end, there's this nice place that you can go to. And I explained what the place was before that. And she said, well, well, maybe, maybe later. Okay, well, you know, that's fine. It's like, I love you. I'll cry at your funeral. You know, and I'm going to miss you, but, you know, I can't stop you from, you know, going the way you're going. And she looked at me like that deer in the headlights looked like, huh? <laughs> you're not going to try and stop me? <laughs> and it wasn't too long after that she finally made the decision that, you know, okay, why don't you take me there? This is no kind of life. And she never went back. So that was that was tough though to get to that point it took me years of counseling experience to get to that point anyway <clears throat> well and i think right now we're we're really kind of edging into some some very tumultuous times like because mm. of all the shifts the consciousness is rising on planet earth and things are shifting and changing and so a lot of our concepts and our misconcepts and our our things that we'd like to maybe let go of and other things we'd like to embrace all of that is really rising to the top and so Mm -hmm. you know when that's rising to the top for all of us it makes for a lot of very different opinions and a lot of very different outlooks and so i think that there's a lot of people now you know one being the one who has to you know allow just sort of embrace that live and let live aspect so that it's not taking up all of your time you know if you're so so busy working, <laughs> and my, my angels are smacking me on the head to listen up. <laughs> yeah. If we're so busy, you know, assisting other people with their lives and carrying the weight of other people's stuff and doing what we can to help other people, not in a not in an altruistic way, not in the like you know like you know part of my path, a huge huge part of my path is to be of service, but. It's my it's my thing to be able to decipher. I need to be able to decipher when I'm being of service and when I'm just stepping in and catering to. And so, you know, one is living and let living because the people are coming to me going, could you please help me? And the other is I'm a I'm a helicopter mom just hovering about trying to do everything for my kids, you know, and uh, and whoever else. And so part of the challenge is to learn how to let other people live and let live. But then the other challenge is, you know, it's not all about the outside ourselves. It's it's us being the ones who would like to just be let alone to live, you know. And so how do we get those other people in our lives to allow us 
to just live. Let them, how do they take on that opinion of live and let live? And, you know, you can't make somebody. So they're going to have their opinions of what we ought to be doing, what we ought to be saying, what our lives ought to be like. And there are always going to be probably more people in your life that don't embrace this than do. And so, you know, becoming strong within ourselves, I think, and, you know, and chime in with, you know, on the other aspect, because we've been talking the whole show, we've got about seven minutes left. But what about when, when you're in this world and you're needing the live and let live to be granted to you? You know, how does that, what are the insights on that if you, in seven minutes or less? <laughs> One last uh, insight while you were talking came to me. It was like the words guide more than govern. And we see that as uh, parents, we govern, you know, and take care of uh, all the basic needs of our children until they learn how to, we show them how to have the skills. We guide them to have the skills, learn how to wipe their little bottoms, how to pull up their pants, how to dress themselves, how to wash, how to eat, how to cut their food, how to cross the street safely. You know, we give them the skills and we guide them to have those skills to move out into life. And then there's governing, which in that sense would be like, I'm going to tell you how to live. You're going to do it exactly this way. And if you don't, I'm going to slap you down. And there are forms of government that do that from the past. Now, I know this is getting away from what you're talking about, but what I learned from listening to my Muslim friends is they didn't even say it, but there's this struggle in much of, not probably all, but in some of the uh, Muslim world, Islamic world, where there are people who are wanting to jump back to the past where they were heavily governed and told what to do you know, pretty much by their, their, their government. There was no separation between religion and state. And the people who want to move forward into having a separation between religion and state, so everybody has their freedom of religion, they also have their freedom to govern where their lives are going to go. And they want to see that standard. They're, they're used to that, and they're, they're getting used to it, and they, they want more of it. And there's a, a struggle, you know, pulling one way and pulling the other. And that's something that I, I see. And it's almost like, you know, children pulling away from parents, and then eventually they go off more on their own. Like being able to have a society where you have people who want to have, like in this country, we have uh, religious communities, and we've always had them, they're very much on their own. They have to obey the laws of the country, but they have their own religious laws and everything there. They can't, you know, chop people's hands off or whatever, but they can do their own thing inside of there and have their own separate, you know, communities and areas. And that's all right. That's live and let live. They just don't tell everybody else how to live, and we don't tell them how to, you know, live their life. There are just certain standards, what legal-wise, that they legally that they uh, are able to live with. And that's something that hasn't quite really happened in that part of the world yet, apparently, as much as we see it over here. And that's a live and let live over there. And it's like, you know, with parents and children in many ways. You know, you've seen that with your, your children now, and I've seen it with my daughter where I had to release her to be able to bump her head, but also to decide for herself. And when she decided for herself, what she wanted, wow, was something was great. It's amazing when people decide what they really want for themselves. Usually it's something that's very positive, oftentimes I've seen. Right. Yeah, when they, they don't feel the need to repel against something, they're able to go to something. And that's yeah. a huge shift, you know. It's uh, when we release that pressure, 
that gives them the feel that they need to rebel, then it opens up the whole world because they're not only focused on the things that the person they're rebelling against doesn't want. <laughs> yeah. You know? So while we think we might be doing something really beneficial for them, in a lot of cases we're really not, you know. And uh, So we do have just about four minutes. Um, I do want to uh, thank Robert for coming on today and sharing with us. And just, you know, there's, we kind of have skipped all over the place today, and it happens that way sometimes on this show. Um, but but it's kind of a sampling of different things to look at, you know, and that's what the show's all about is just shining the light on different areas that maybe you hadn't looked at or um, different aspects of looking at things and and uh, so I really want to thank you, Robert, for coming on and sharing with us and, and being You're with welcome. us today. And uh, I do want to also let people know that, you know, you can – I know we're having some website issues. I usually tell you guys to go to mysticaltruth.com or sacredlightofsedona.com um, to check out what we've got going on and make appointments if you want phone readings, that kind of thing, life coaching, whatever. Uh, but we are – I know we've been having some website issues, servers crashing and I don't know what. So – We've got people on that. So you can, you know, still reach us through those websites, I think, probably as of today. Um, you also, if, if anybody wants to call for, like, life coaching, I do 12-week sessions and uh, readings, that kind of thing, you can call 928-514-8558 and uh, reach me anytime. And um, so we, we also want to, again, thank Spring Rain Peony, who we haven't really talked about much this this show, but that's okay. You guys need to check out our cookbook, Eat Conscious and Be Merry, and you can go to holisticnaturalsco.com to do that. And uh, also, I, I'll tell you, the line of supplements she has, the moringa, the energy thing, the, the immune system, all that, um, I, I get all my supplements from there at this point except for Cordotrol, which everybody knows I take forever for stress because it's phenomenal. Uh, but um, you can go to holisticnaturalco.com to uh, check out those different supplements, and they really are amazing. They're amazing, and they're all you know hand hand put together. They're vegan. They're all of this. So, and and they're even reiki. So, um, check those out and get to know Spring Rain Peony through her website a little bit. And and uh, all right, so we have just about a minute and a half left. Robert, do you have any last last things you would like to share with people as they head off for their day? Mm. Not really. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> Carpe diem, baby. Yeah. So, yeah, if we can just kind of, you know, as we go through our day and our week and whatnot, and today's Friday, that's right, I forgot today was Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. Um, as we go through, just kind of look at the different things where maybe we're stepping in and we don't mean to, or maybe we're stepping, we're being stepped in upon and and would prefer not to be. And so just kind of look where this live and let live could, um, what does it mean to you and where could you take it to, uh, like Robert said in the in the beginning, to a higher standard of living, you know, how can you embrace it as a spiritual aspect rather than what it might be right now for you? And uh, so thank you everybody for joining us. We just have you know, less than a minute left. So uh, I'm going to send you on your way for the weekend and hope that you all will join us Monday. I believe that we're going to be doing a theme week again next week. And uh, so I'll put up on the, uh, over the weekend, I'll put up on Blog Talk what our theme will be. Please follow me on Blog Talk and follow me on Facebook. 
and uh, both links are right there on oh. my page. Yes, sir. One last thing I'd like to say is just enjoy living love as a way of life. Nice. Love that. All right. All right, everybody. Thank you so much, and have a fabulous day.